looked at that this morning, obviously, but let's ask for God's help as we come to his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are God who speaks, and we ask now that as we look into your written word that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our hearts to the truth, expose us and our limitations, and please convince us, convict us, and grow us. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. This thing all things devours. Birds, beasts, trees and flowers, gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to meal, slays kings, ruins towns and beats high mountains down. Anyone? Yeah, obvious, isn't it? Time. That's a riddle from The Hobbit. Anyone read The Hobbit? I half read The Hobbit. Uh, didn't quite get through it. But apparently uh, Bilbo and Gollum are playing riddles and Gollum can't get it. And he says, time, 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 needs more time and... He gets it. We all live in it. We sometimes think we don't have enough of it. We often waste it and uh, we can never catch up to it. Time is scientifically just equal seconds one after the other, but that's not quite true, is it? When you are enjoying the first cup of coffee in the morning or kissing your wife, time flies but 40 minutes listening to a boring sermon can seem like an eternity. (laughs) Albert Einstein once said, the only reason for time is that everything doesn't happen all at once. And the great composer Hector Berlioz once said, time is a great teacher, unfortunately it kills all its pupils. (laughs) How do we make sense from the viewpoint of time? That's our question this morning. Remember, We're in the book of Ecclesiastes and the big overriding question is how do we make sense of life under the sun? If we just look out there without a personal reference to God or a personal word from God, how do we make sense of everything? Is there meaning and lasting significance to be found? And the teacher is going about testing every key area of life. We've already looked at a few of them. Wisdom, pleasures, work, money, possessions. Can I grasp or suck out lasting meaning and significance from these things under the sun? And now he moves to time. And the first thing we see is there's a time for everything, but we can't control any of it. Did you have, see how he starts off? This is a poem. Have a look at chapter 3, verse 1. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Verse 2, time to be born, a time to die, biggest events in life. Verse 3, there's a time to kill, a time to heal, to tear down, to build, there's creative and destructive events. Verse 4, time to weep, to, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, emotions in private and public. Verses 5 and 6, time to scatter, to gather, to keep, to throw, there's building, there's possessions... Time to speak, verse 7, a time to be silent. There's a time to love and a time to hate, war and peace. It's every area of life, there's a time for each, isn't there? And we could spend some time dissecting each of them, but that wouldn't 
uh, do justice to it. That would miss the point. It's a poem, so we've got to read it as a poem. So sit back and enjoy it. Maybe close your eyes and listen. I'm going to read a little bit of it again. I want you to get, just get the feel of the poem. Ready? There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter, a time to gather, a time to embrace, a time to refrain, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to lose, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak time to love, time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Now, I'm not very good at reading poems, obviously, but did you get the gist of it? Any musos out there, did that remind you of anything? What is it? Bob Dylan. <laughs> Thanks, Helen. <laughs> I think there's someone else who did it as well, but... It's a metronome, isn't it? Anyone practiced anything to a metronome? Tick-a-tock, a time for this, a time for that. Tick-tock, tick-tock. That's the point of it. Do you get it? There's a season for everything. There's a purposefulness about things. It's been winter for a while and then summer's going to come. And there's, it works the other way, doesn't it? There's a time to laugh and a time to dance, but it doesn't last. Soon there'll be a time for mourning and a time for pain. So what? What's the point? You can't control it. It's going to happen no matter what. You and I have no control over what happens next. You can't say, hmm, summer, I get a bit sweaty in summer. Let's not do summer. It's going to happen. You can't control them, they just keep rolling. I've never heard of anyone plan to mourn or weep. Let's just jot down in our diaries next Thursday, I'd like to mourn the, the passing of a loved one. No, but it will happen. Now, there's massive implications for that, for us, isn't there? Well, we're going to come to them. Let's keep going. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything, but we can't control any of it. Secondly, there's an eternal burden in us but we can't understand it. Teacher comes back to the big question of the book. Have a look, verse 9. What does a person gain from all his toil? All your working, all your labouring in this world, what does it achieve given that seasons are just going to come and go? Well, absolutely nothing. But more than that, the teacher says, there's a burden God has put onto humans. Did you see it? Verse 10. He sees it. I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. What is it? Well, firstly, God has made everything beautiful in his time. That's verse 11. There's a beauty about things happening in the right time, isn't there? Whether it's the first coffee in the morning or going to the beach for the first time in summer or finishing a course of study, it feels good, doesn't it? There's a beauty in it. But there's also something else. Have a look at the second half of verse 11. God has also set eternity in the hearts of humans. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning 
to end. There's an eternal burden God has laid on the human race. We have eternity in our hearts. We're made to live outside the tick-tock of the metronome, but we live inside it. Do you get it? And that's a burden. Without God telling us, if we just looked out there under the sun, life is meaningless living in a metronome bubble. So, you see how the teacher's explaining time to us. There's a season for everything, we can't control it. There's a beauty and good timing, things happen in the right time, but there's also a burden. We're actually made to live outside of time, and that's in our hearts. We have eternity in our skins, and we can't control it. I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy, a guy called Jar Morant. Anyone heard of Jar Morant? Well, he plays a little game in a little competition called the NBA, and he's a basketballer, and Greg, have you not heard of Jar Morant? Come on. He doesn't play for the Wildcats. <laughs> Jar Morant just signed a contract to play five years of a game, basketball. Guess how much money he gets for five years? $192 million. And he's a different type of guy. My, uh, recently, he's uh, been sharing about his struggles to find meaning and satisfaction. And the context of uh, this quote that he posted on socials is looking around at all the other guys who are making lots of money and look like they're having a good time. He says, this is a quote from him last week, it's a different story for me. It seems I got everything I dreamed of, but I can't find no peace. Isn't that amazing? Why can't Jarmarant find no peace? He's got $192 million. It's because God has put eternity in his heart. He yearns for more. He longs for something $192 million can't buy. There's a time for everything. We can't control it. There's an eternal burden in us. We can't understand it. Albert Einstein was a very clever man, and he said this, Everything is determined by forces over which we have no control. It's determined for the insect as well as for the star, human beings, vegetables, or cosmic dust. We all dance to a mysterious tune, intoned in the distance by an invisible piper. Why can't Jar Morant find well, where can he find it? Well, the, the comments were very interesting uh, in that social media post. A whole bunch of people commented about trying to give him advice on how to fix his problem. And one person said, try meditation. Not a bad option. Another person said, get strong, stay strong. Okay, find the, the strength within yourself. My favourite was three simple words, to fix your deep, inner turmoil and lack of peace. Just go fishing. <laughs> Not bad options. How do you respond when you hear God say, the seasons are coming, the seasons are going, time is ticking away? Because this, if this is all life is, then we may as well just eat, drink and be merry, right? That's exactly what the teacher says. Have a look at verses 12 and 13. I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy. 
to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. There is some goodness in finding satisfaction in your work. You are allowed to eat and drink and find satisfaction. But it's a good thing, not an ultimate thing. It will not give you what your heart desires. Do you see what God is saying to us? Have a look at verse 14. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it, why? So that people will fear him. Why has God set all this up? It's so that you will turn to him and revere him. Fear doesn't just mean be afraid because he's God and you're a human. It means revere him, honour him, make him God of your life. You see, we're not in control, although we wake up every day thinking we are. I wake up every day thinking I've got this until something happens or God intervenes or I read my Bible. And all of a sudden, God says, no, no, Matt, you're just a man. You have got no control over what happens in this day. This day you're going to wake up and something's going to happen that you did not control. There's a time for everything, but we can't control it. There's an eternal burden in all of us, but we can't understand it. You might not be able to read that. Can you read that last one? There's a time for judgment and we'll all see it. Last one. Let's have a look. Verses 15 to 17. The teacher kind of draws it all in and says, whatever has been will be done before and God will call the past to an account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. And I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. Life just isn't fair. When you look out there and you look for justice, you see injustice. You only have to see one news cycle to see. A person who you looked at and thought, they have the power, they should do the right thing, and they didn't. What is God doing? Well, it's like a metronome, isn't it? Now injustice, later justice. Verse 17 says, God will bring judgment to both the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every activity. The time for judgment will come, and God will do it. No one's going to get away with anything. God will bring his righteous judgment on you and on me. So where does this leave us? Well, as we've found over the weeks, Ecclesiastes is an extremely depressing book if you stay in Ecclesiastes. And that's why. In every book of the Bible, you must see Jesus. How does Jesus turn this on its head? Well, verse 21 helps us here. If you've got your Bibles open, it says, who knows what's going to happen? The teacher goes, who knows? If the spirit of a man rises up and the spirit of an animal goes down into the depth, who knows what's going to happen next? Only one person. The one who has time and eternity and judgment in his hands. And his name is Jesus. He is in control of all of it. Let's finish up. We're going to have a look at Colossians chapter 1. 
because there's a time for everything. We can't control it, but Jesus does. I'll put it up on the screen for you if you don't have your Bibles. This is a most amazing passage that you probably have already read millions of times, but very helpful here. He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So do you see what this means? As we finish up, according to the Bible, all things were created by Jesus. According to the Bible, all things were created through Jesus, for Jesus, and all things are held together by Jesus. So, who holds time in his hands? The risen Jesus Christ. So that means some really good things for us. If you trust Jesus, you have security. As you wake up each day, you say to yourself, I'm not in control, but Jesus is, so I'm okay. You get it? We wake up each day, and the one who made all things, who all things were created for, and holds all things together, who made up the whole idea of time and seasons and the metronome of life coming and going, he made it all up, is the one who's your rock and your salvation. So when the waves of life crash over you, which they will and probably have, where will you go? When the metronome ticks from dancing to mourning, what are you going to do? You're going to wake up and go, I've got this. Or you're going to wake up and go, I don't got this. Jesus does. Jesus controls all the time. Secondly, Jesus gives people eternity. Verse 18 continues. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from where? The dead. That in him, uh, in everything, he might be preeminent. First. So he's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Well, it means he died for your sins. And he rose again, and he's the firstborn, which means there are secondborn, thirdborn, fourthborn, hundredthborns. There's lots of borns here. You have been born new into Jesus Christ, and you have eternity. So you wake up each morning under the sun. It's frustrating. You look out there, and it doesn't make sense. You've got eternity in your hearts. Do you do a jar morant and go, I don't know, I ain't got no peace? Or do you go, no, no, I am in Christ Jesus. He holds all the things together. He is in control of my life and he has given me eternity. I now live outside of the metronome of life. The burden of eternity is taken on him. Jesus controls the times. Jesus gives people eternity. Lastly, he deals with our judgment. Have a look here. He is the head of the body of the, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in everything he might be preeminent, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I used to learn piano when I was in primary school. I started playing drums and learning drums, but my mum thought that wasn't a real instrument. And so she made me play, uh, learn piano. And I learned piano from this old lady, very grumpy old woman. And she made me pa- play piano to a metronome. Has anyone ever done that? It is a modern form of torture. <laughs> and I couldn't stop until she grabbed that metronome off the top of the piano. I can still see it if you miss it now. And stopped the metronome. At some point... The one who made up all time is going to grab the metronome. It's going to stop. And what's going to happen? You're going to stand before your maker and your judge. And what will happen? What if when your time is up and the hand of the creator grabs your metronome and the ticking stops, what if the one who holds your time What if that hand that holds your metronome is the hand that was pierced for your transgressions? Wouldn't that be amazing if your judge has taken your judgment? The the one that holds time was crucified for you. By his blood, you are reconciled at peace. So all things were created through him, All things were created for him. All things are held together by him. He's the head of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. All the fullness of God dwells in him and he has made peace between us and God through his cross. Do you see what that means? When your time is up, when it is done, when you stand before your God, you stand at peace. Because at the cross, eternity is restored to your heart. At the cross... Your judge has taken your judgment and your time is forever. You and I have no fear of time ticking away. No fear at all. When the metronome stops, we live. There's a time for every activity. Jesus controls it all. There's an eternal burner in our heart. He gives you eternity. There's a time for judgment. The judge has been judged for you. So the only question left for us is how do you use your time? If you're redeemed, how are you going to use the limited time you have right now? There's a time to live and that time is now. Soon, your time will be up. And the tragedy would be looking back on your deathbed, which I've sat with people who have done this, and realised you've wasted your time with things under the sun. Use your time for what lasts for all eternity. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for time. We thank you for redeeming our time, but more than that, we thank you, Jesus, that you control all time. And so when we wake up, we're not in control, but you are. And so we're okay. We thank you that when we wake up, we have eternity. And when our time is up, you have taken the judgment. You've taken it on yourself. And so we pray now, as we go out into our weeks, that we wouldn't waste our time, that we'd use our time for your kingdom, for your glory, for all eternity. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.